In a world where magic is everywhere, monsters are real, and inhibitions are non-existent, Atlantis is the most coveted destination, and pirates make all the rules. That's right. The Dangerous Tides Kickstarter is live. We're bringing you six brand new books from authors like Katie Robert and C.M. Nascosta. These ultra-spicy fantasy books feature sirens, kidnappings, aliens, disguises, monsters, sex magic, second chances, and so much more that can't be mentioned in polite company. They combine otherworldly adventure with sweeping romance in a way that will keep your heart racing from start to finish. By backing the Kickstarter, you can read these books this month. Of course, we've also got foiled special editions with sprayed edges in hardback and paperback, gorgeous art, and swag, which you'll have in your hands this fall. The Kickstarter will be over in the blink of an eye, so don't miss it. This is the only place you can get these special editions and swag, not to mention getting the ebooks five months earlier than they're available to anyone else. This is your invitation to unlock the secrets of Atlantis. So click the link in the show notes and enter at your own risk. Welcome to Bonkers Romance, the podcast that celebrates authors who go there. I'm Jenny Nordback, and my other half, Melody Carlisle, has left me unsupervised to do the intro. This week, we're joined by Sarah Wendell, who is the mastermind behind Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And funny story that I forgot to tell during the episode. The first time I met Sarah in person, I didn't know who I was walking up to meet. So when our mutual friend said, hey, Jenny, this is Sarah Wendell, did I play it cool? No, no, I did not. I blurted, oh, holy shit. And that, dear listener, is how I feel today. Sarah Wendell is here to recap A Lady of Rook's Grave Manor by Catherine Moon. You can hear the first part here and the glorious second part over at Smart Podcast Trashy Books. So we hope you will head over there to check out the rest of the episode as soon as you're done here. With no further ado, here is our recap with Sarah Wendell. Hello! It's the best noise recording in progress. I know, right? Now we've started. We're doing the thing. Oh my gosh, Sarah, hi. Hi! It's Sarah Wendell. Sarah Wendell is here. I'm here. And we're doing a special crossover event, everyone. I know. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's going to be lots of fun. Yeah. So this is going to be part one. And then yep. you have to wait for part two. Like 24 whole hours. Yeah. In. I know. It's going to be a trial. Waiting sucks. <laughs> <laughs> but part two is going to go out on Smart Bitches podcast tomorrow. Yes, that's right. Yee! 2 a.m. Eastern time if you need to set an alarm. Mm-hmm. 2 a.m. Eastern time. I like it. Sarah. Yes. What do you consider to be bonkers? Any book where I read it and there's a moment where I sit back and I look out at the horizon and I say, what the fuck am I reading right now? (laughs) I like that. And that and I mean, you and I, Melody, we have recapped a lot of really bonkers books. Like Mm -hmm. I had you read Nicholas Lords of the Satyr. That's the one with two dicks and then the seeker from behind his balls. Oh, my God. Cleaner. That was amazing. Oh, yeah. And that I was asked to read that as part of judging a RWA chapter contest. And that was the first moment where I actually sat back on my couch and thought, this is absolutely the most off the wall thing I've ever read. And I I grew up reading like Bertrice Small and, you know, (laughs) Bertrice Small was like off the chain and and really lady pirates. And, you know, like she had a scar from a 
parrot and somebody else got a scar just like her so they could impersonate her. And then there was like kidnapping and pirates. And I mean, that was like, oh, OK, sure. Yeah, mm, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Pirates. I'm completely on board. And then I get to Lords of the Seder and I'm like, oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And then that sent me down an absolute rabbit hole. I ended up emailing you the <laughs> the recap of the second book. <laughs> and it was oh, delightful. Oh <laughs> it was. It was oh, quite. Yeah. It's really, it's just, there's something very admirable when you read a book and you kind of think for a moment, wow, there was a there and they went past the there. They went there and then kept going. And now yeah. there's a whole new there. There's a yeah. whole new there over there. Yeah. Yeah. Forging new paths, expanding yes. the horizons of romance. <laughs> yes. And I've been so fascinated asking authors, like, do you recognize when you're standing there? Like you're writing and you're like, is, is, yeah. can I do this? Is it OK? Or does this just not even enter your mind and you just charge on ahead and the rest of us mm-hmm. are like, what? Uh-huh. Yeah. And it, look, there's only so many. There's only so many holes. We're not inventing new holes. <laughs> totally. But we're inventing new things to do with them and new things to put in them and new creatures mm-hmm. to have things that go in them. Yeah. And then more form. Like it's I, re- I remember doing an interview with uh, an author and uh, her name was Carly and her name's flying out of me right now. So I'll just add this later. But totally. She basically did an interview. She's like, well, I'm not going to invent a new sex. I'm pretty sure all the sex has been invented. And I'm like, you know, <gasps> I'm not really sure that it has. I mean, yeah. because then I read this book and thought, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. is a bit new. This is a bit new. But it's still the same basic established like we need intimacy and we need eroticism and we need to every every sex scene causes a problem and solves a problem and all of the fundamentals are still there but then you're like wow i haven't read this before Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's a really good way of way of looking at it um and you brought us an absolutely delightful delectable treat today oh yeah we are going to be recapping Part one of A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor by Catherine Moon. Is that right? Yep. That's right, yes. right? Yeah. That's right. Nice. I'm looking at the cover right now. That is exactly correct. All of the Rock words on. in that order. Oh, I love it when I know things. But first, we're going to give you a little update and then we'll be right back. Oh, hey, it's temple update time. This month, we're back on our bullshit with Katie regaling us with more fertile in my ex-boyfriend's dungeon. And I can neither confirm nor deny that we discover an actual hard limit for Katie. Hannah Witten is also going to stop by to give us all of her best spooky season wrecks. In book club news, everyone in the Joybringer tier and Celebrant tier can download their ebook copies of My Wicked Prince by Molly O'Keefe and the entire audiobook collection of Court of the Vampire Queen by the one and only Katie Robert. Finally, Joybringers and Celebrants can check out all the digital art we've created for the temple. It's all on one convenient page waiting for you. If you want to get in on any of this goodness, head to bonkersromance.com slash temple and sign up. All right, back to the show. Okay, we're back. Hello, Sarah. That was so fast. Wow. I know. Melody. Ooh, I know. Getting it done. Our updates on, on this end are super quick. <laughs> okay. A Lady of Rooksgrave Manor. Holy shit. Holy shit. Jenny, what do you know anything about this book? I know I that I have waited a small fucking eternity to it's be told true. about it, and I want it, and I need it in <laughs> my veins. I believe it is like a fantastical sex worker. I think mm-hmm. she does the deed with numerous partners of different oh. monster varieties. Yeah. That's about all I got, though. So I am I'm excited. Well, here's the thing. Our beautiful Esther is in a bit of a pickle. Yes. Because something happened with her employer and they're like shutting down the whole house and she's yes. in service. She's a maid. And so she doesn't have any prospects. And she also like like getting a reference is a little tough for our dear Esther because she's a bit of a naughty girl. Oh, Esther mm. likes to take her pleasure wherever she can get it. Yep. And it makes me the happiest. 
She has no shame. No. None. No None. sense of shame. Like, no sense that she should be ashamed either. It's I know. It's not like she's shameless and an, and an asshole. She's just like, I don't feel bad about this, and I don't think that I should. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, feel free. Can I also just point out that I love that the fact that the cover... I'm going to date myself, but this looks like vintage Fredericks of Hollywood catalog <gasps> wear it on the cover. Does. Like, oh. like the slits up to the hip with oh, lace shit. and like yeah. a panel. It's it's not it's not the, the the clothes wash paneling, but it's like long strips of fabric and it's yeah. low cut and it's red. And she's girl's got a glass of wine. She's ready for the story. I love the cover. I just want to say it's so good. It's yeah, so it is. Good. This cover. And we get to start because this is a historical paranormal. And we get to start with an old timey hysteria doctor, Jenny. Yes. <gasps> Dr. Underwood. <laughs> Dr. Underwood has a special device and he's bringing it to the house. Yeah. And I just have to say, I've never understood these, like the whole premise of the hysteria doctor, because if you tell me, like, if you're a nutter butter, if you cry all the time, ba 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 ba, I'm gonna bring a man in here to vibrate you to orgasm several times within one session. I would be a maniac on purpose. Yeah, this like, is not a good way to get good not behavior out of me. Cure my hysteria. I would just turn. I would just turn it up. Turn it up. Anyway. I need so, treatment every day. I need your, give me my medicine. <laughs> <laughs> so, and yet the existence of it seems to also, I think, imply that this was recognized as some sort of treatment to counter imbalance of mental chemicals. So if like you had, say, example, postpartum depression, I believe sometimes the hysteria doctors were yeah. prescribed. And then you're basic, basically bathing a postpartum brain and all the good chemicals. Yeah. yeah. I would behave terribly for the record. I would be an absolute terror. I would, I would be, be a nightmare. Horrible to live with. Like, I'm sorry to call the doctor. I'm yeah. sorry. I need my treatment. Give me you my oxytocin. Yeah. Give me yeah. my endorphins, motherfucker. Give me that good brain bath. <laughs> so, okay. So, Dr. Jonathan Underwood. Jonathan Thank you. Underwood. Yes. Yeah. He's here and she always like spies on them. And she's always like, oh my God, the lady's getting off. This is incredible. And like, she, she knows touches what that herself a tiny like. bit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And like it. she gets caught a tiny bit by Dr. Underwood. <gasps> and she at this point is like, oh, no, I've been improper in front of the doctor. And he's like, hey, girl, I've noticed you around before. And <laughs> I thought maybe I could hook you up with a new job. Do you want to like see my situation at my practice? Like you can come down. And she's like, cool sauce. So <laughs> she goes down to his office that night. He's like, I'll stay late. So she goes down to his office that night and he's like, are you hysterical? We should give you preventative treatment, basically. <laughs> and so he does yeah, vibrate yeah, yeah, her. Yeah. And it's great stuff. And then he's like, I, I also there are more things I want to do tonight. And the place that I want to take you to be employed is like where where a girl like you and she's like terribly wanton, <laughs> he's like exquisitely wanton, will like have all the exotic sex she wants, basically. And so then she's he's like, all right, turn around because I want something else. And so, oh, my God, I love this so much. Because she's into it, right? Mm, very. She turn, she's like, he I'm turns sorry, her more around. sex sounds great. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. He turns her around and he starts having sex with her from behind. Penetrative sex. And then all of a sudden, there's like a rip of a fabric. And weird things are happening behind <sighs> her. And so she goes to look and he's like, don't watch. And so she watches the wall as his shoulders like grow in the shadow. Oh, he's like, oh, so good. And as Ooh. he is, as this hulking shadow is happening, she is also getting stretched into oblivion oh. in her cunt parts Catherine because everything grows. <laughs> this is just chapter one. This chapter one. That is exactly too. what she says oh. several times. So, so buckle With up. Shadow in the. Oh. 
and there's a fire. So so the fire is casting these flickering shadows of him, his shape getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And she's like feeling this gigantic cock and then watching this giant shadow. And she's like, I'd really like to turn around, but probably better if I don't. What is happening right now? And so then she says, Dr. Underwood. And he growls, there's no doctor here, little girl. Oh! If this was like the only thing in the book, I would probably be like, this is the greatest fucking thing ever. I and I get the feeling I need to buckle the fuck up. Oh, yes. You really do. Strap in. Do you have snacks? Do you have water? Yeah. Oh. You're in a nice cozy booth. Okay, Are good. There's more. Catherine <laughs> Moon. There's no Dr. Underwood here. No. She has met Mr. Tanner, all right? Oh. And Mr. Tanner is gigormous, and he likes to do things like playfully spank. And it's nice. He's got this, like, really gritty voice and a different accent. And yep. wow. And then he picks her up. He sits down on the chaise that he has her on. He picks her up and mounts her on his cock facing yes, away from him. Does. And then basically and then, lifts her no, up and, and then down. And all he says is, bounce. Yeah. And then makes her take over. She starts bouncing on him. And then he picks up the vibrator and he's like, go to town, man. I want I want you to come around me one more time before I fill you up. And so then she's bouncing on this gigormous dude with with the old timey hysteria doctor vibrator all up on her. And it is a masterpiece. And this is chapter one. Chapter one. Chapter one. Okay. If you're listening and not watching, I need you to know that my jaw is just hanging open and probably not going to close. Oh, yeah. That was my expression when I started this book. I read this on vacation last year and I many times just sort of sat up and I I can't I (laughs) I cannot close my mouth right now. Okay, (laughs) back for more. Wow. All he says is bounce. It's incredible. So bounce. she's like, are all the men who go to the manor or whatever, are, this are place they you like you? Take me. Yeah. And he says, mm-hmm. we call ourselves monsters. And she goes, I don't. Like, I wouldn't call Mr. I'm Tanner a monster. It. He was very sweet. Yeah. You've all been very nice to me. I mean, like four orgasms. Why would you complain, right? Yeah, exactly. So we get to Rook's Grave Manor and we start meeting our our larger cast of characters. The madam of the place is called um, Magdalena or Mags. She's a witch and she does a tarot. And like her specialty is her specialty for her magic is pairing up the right people. She's like a love witch. All right. Mm. Yep. And then there is Booker, and yep. Booker is a golem, it Allegedly. says. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly a golem. Allegedly. Well, and I shared this it's with you, Sarah. We got a really cool email from a listener. Yes. Because I didn't know anything about golems, and I would have completely missed this. Yep. But the listener, and I didn't get her permission to say her name on here, so I'm not going to. She wrote in because she really, really took issue with the representation of um, this, like, Jewish figure mm-hmm. in this book because yep. – do you want to take over, Sarah? <laughs> so, basically, this person's uh, upset was, was that there's two elements that sort of promise Jewish representation here. One is that uh, the heroine's name is Esther, yeah, which is a very big name in Judaism, and is that she's the heroine of the Purim story. Um, And then there's Booker, who we are told is a golem. Now, a golem is a figure in Jewish folklore that is uh, made out of red clay, and that's important, Mm -hmm. who is brought to life with magic. And it's a a combination of folklore and mysticism. And in the stories that are passed down, the golems protected the Jews from pogroms, which were uh, basically everyone, let's get together and kill all the Jews we can find. Happens a lot. Not a big fan. Anti anti-Semitism, it's old. Aren't you bored yet? Right? Aren't you bored with being anti-Semitic? Can't I you know. just like find a new thing to hate? Like, why can't you just hate reality TV and move on with your life? But Seriously. no, anti-Semitism. Yeah. Here forever, it sucks out loud. So golems are a figure of protection and magic. And fun fact, um, in Judaism, when you create, when a rabbi creates a golem, they write Emet on the forehead. And then you erase the Aleph and it's met, which means death. So emet brings them to to life. And then an emet means truth. In the Lego movie, the little Lego guy comes to life. His name is emet. It is. Yeah. Oh, my God. And and instead of being on his forehead, it's actually written on his leg. It's on his ID badge. (gasps) And I was like, y'all, emet's a golem. Now I've looked and people have discussed this, but there's no confirmation. So anyway, 
moving aside from figures, and if you think about it, there's a lot of ways in which this sort of uh, figure, this gigantic person come to life. You can see the influences in different places and the word yeah. golem has infiltrated other languages. But this listener's um, upset was that Booker is not a golem because Booker is made of marble, right? Yeah. It's made of stone. Yeah, marble, yeah. Magdalena made him out of stone. And there's more mm -hmm. than one. I think there's a yeah. three there's or four. There's a whole castle of, of, a um, whole bunch like of them. The, they're like the butlers of the of Rook's grave. I'm getting right. gargoyle and vibes, but I have Yeah, it. it's very much more of a gargoyle vibe. But what this listener was most upset about was this use of the word golem for mm -hmm. something that is not a golem when golem has religious significance. And they mm. were very upset by that. Completely yeah. understand that. Mm -hmm. The reason why the use of clay is important is because it eradicates the idea of blood libel. Blood libel is the basis of a lot of anti-Semitic attacks. It is the completely false idea right. that Jews use the blood of Christians and Christian children to make matzah, to make the matzah more holy. No, yep. that's not true. That didn't but happen ever. Specifically <laughs> making a golem out of red clay was a way of avoiding accusations of blood libel in, in this legend. And so there's this okay. whole like literal thousands of years of folklore behind this term. Yeah. And for this listener to see it deployed in this way was really upsetting because that's not a golem. He's stone. Full of course. Stop. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And I mean, what what's a better representation of cultural appropriation, though, than somebody coming in and being like, oh, I like that. How can I make it match my house? Because that's literally <laughs> what she says. She says that marble would go better with the manor. <laughs> and so she made her golems out of marble. Yeah. <sighs> Anyway, totally get it. And Booker totally is, get it. Yeah, yeah. I, I completely There's a get lot it. of issues I had with the character of Booker. Like I struggled a lot with the power dynamic and the mm -hmm. the issue of of tethering and owner. We'll get to that anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so Booker is Booker. a um he's Booker the, carries like the, the luggage. She's very strong because he's made of stone. Yes. And they go inside and she's very like, hmm, this guy, like, I wonder what his deal is. And like, yeah. <laughs> is he allowed to play at all? Because he's very sexy. So she spends she a couple of, of days. <laughs> what? No, she's just me. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. If you've ever and gone seriously. to a museum and looked at a statue and thought, hmm. I mean, wonder, wonder how. Hmm. Wonder I, how they would be. That's I can make that work. She's, that's how she's looking at Booker. Like, oh, stone, stone everywhere. Uh -huh. Stone in all in all places. Hard. Hmm? Yeah. So <laughs> she spends a couple of days getting like used to Rook's grave, and the very first night she can hear all like the rabble rousing going on downstairs because she's not allowed to go down there because the the men get like territorial over their over their mistresses basically. And so she can hear all this happening. And then she watches outside as a girl comes out with like this beautiful blonde hair. And she like just starts taking off. She's talking to the trees and she's like, oh, I've missed you. And then a full on wolf just comes out using its <gasps> giant wolf tongue and doing a doing a lick around her nipples all over the place. And then that wolf does turn into a man and they do fuck on the ground out there. And so she's just like she's just like in her room alone, furiously masturbating masturbating being like yeah. when do i get to start my job it literally humps a pillow yeah like she, she grabs a pillow <laughs> stuffs it under her and goes she rutted against the cushion she was not satisfied by this experience Poor girl. It makes me so happy so the next day she's walking around the grounds and she goes out by the lake chapter and three by the way what a lot happening it's only chapter three now just yeah. so you know they got oh, a lot yeah. to go yeah. <laughs> so just there's a look of delight on Jenny's face. She's I know. Like, really? yes. And it only I cannot wait for you to get to the climax of just this episode, which is oh. only going to be like 50 percent in like this. Mm -hmm. This book. Yeah. OK, sorry. So they go out. She goes out to the lake and she did. She lost so much sleep while humping that pillow. And so she falls asleep on a bench. Understandable, you know, and then. There she gets like a vision and a dream of like a sand and a desert scape. And then this very hot man comes out and he's like, hello, Estad. And she's like, oh, it makes my name sound like it's a star. And then that's his nickname for her for the rest of the book. He is Eamon and he is a sphinx and he is on <sighs> his fucking way. All right. He's got yep. to get there from Egypt. But like, hold up. 
because he's common. <laughs> and then he'll so be coming, but that's later. Yes. Oh, and then he's like, but why should we wait? How about I just make you come right now in your dream dreamscape? Yes, please. And she's like, yeah, absolutely. Sure. So he goes to go down on her, but then somebody shakes her awake. And she's like, how fucking dare you? <laughs> like, I was just about... <laughs> and there's a village boy there, his name, village man. His name is Jacob. And he's like, he's like, I heard moaning over here. So I wanted to make sure you're okay. And she's like, I would be better if I were still moaning in my sleep. <laughs> and... He says, like, wow, oh, yeah, you're just you're just one of those, like, uptight manor girls. What do you even do over there? Like, it's a finishing school or something. And she's like, I mean, we finish a lot. Um, but that's not... <laughs> is that in the book or is that a melody? No, that's me. That's no, it's me. melody. <laughs> so anyway, she like Booker comes over. And he's like, Miss, I can take you back to the place because Magdalena needs to see you. And she's like, fuck, I'm going to get in trouble for talking to this guy I didn't even want to talk to. Yep. What in the world? She goes in and Magdalena's like, oh, no, we've had issues with him for years. Like, he's the one who came onto our property. You're not a prisoner here. You can go wherever you want. Oh, very reasonable. Yeah, very reasonable. So then she's like, I have a gentleman coming for you tonight. And Esther's very excited. <laughs> So they go and put on this dress that Dr. Underwood got for her so that she can meet Dr. Underwood's friend, August. August. August Thibodeau. Yeah. August. And she finds out that he's a vampire. (sighs) And she finds out that a lot of times vampires are like also feeders because the blood takes on the taste of whatever you've eaten. So they're like, mmm, eclair, delish, after (laughs) they feed you. (laughs) So she's like, but I like I can't wear this. And Mags is like, what are you talking about? You can't wear it. And she's like, I'll ruin it. I'll rip it or I'll I, like, I'm a mess. I can't do that. And she's like, oh, ho, 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 no, no, no. Dr. Underwood sent it to you basically so that August could rip it. Like, don't worry about what it. A thoughtful friend. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so she goes down and she meets him in the kitchens and he has an apron on and he is covered in flour and he is so. So beautiful, she says. And he was like, I used to be a patissier. I guess it's I guess it might be. He used to make pastries when he was a human yep. <laughs> like 300 years ago. And so yep. he he just like made her a bunch of shit. And so they eat this like delectable dinner. And she's very like this is porn. So much porn in the scene. There's just unfettered so much. food porn. I- did not see this. I keep thinking I know where we're going. And no, then you're never going to know. And it's no. better than I think it's. You're and never going to know. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Just, yep. It's glorious. And she's very like, I can probably tempt him to fuck me soon, you know? And so she spends all of the thing being like, what if I just drop this right here? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you hungry? Here's my neck. Just, and. <laughs> and he he's trying to take his time. But every single time she talks about feeding him from her body, his eyes go black and he gets like more angular in his features and like the predator comes out. Yep. And he starts feeding her a pomegranate seed by (gasps) seed. Yes. And then he tells her the myth of Hades and Persephone. It's like we're bound to meet over books with Greek references at this point. You and me. I know. I love it. I love this about our friendship. It's a theme. I'm fine about this theme. This is great. Makes me so happy. So he tells her the story and then she says, no, she's like, she's definitely a Jenny and a Melody because she says, he didn't trick her. What are you talking about? Yeah. And he's like, "What? no, that's the myth. He tricks her. And, and she's like, no, she knew the rules. She knew that eating the pomegranates, like she knew. And then she ate them. She made a choice. He gave her a choice. He gave her a choice. And then she made her choice. I highlighted this part. He asked her to stay with those seeds. And once she knew that it was up to her, she chose him too. And it's beautiful. And like, it's very, it's a really, really nice, um, not al- maybe an allegory to like lay over the rest of the book. I thought this was really neat and it's smart. A, it's definitely a repeated motif. Yes. Be- there we go. Because the idea of who has the power in this situation and 
who is choosing whom and why is that happening is constantly being negotiated and also discussed. Like they don't ignore it. Yeah. But this is this is the theme. It's no one is trapped here. Everyone is making choices and there's choices that they are consenting to happily. And the fact that Esther can see right through this myth, like, no, he gave her a choice and she made a choice based on the knowledge with full confirmation Mm -hmm. and full understanding of what was happening to her. And he's like, ah. Okay. And then she's like, may I have another chocolate? Yeah. (laughs) Because she knows the right thing to do here. Yeah. Finally, they like start going upstairs and she's like, no, just fuck me on the stairs. And (laughs) she's like, the stairs (laughs) are fine. And then in her inner monologue, she's like, except I knew that stairs were one of the worst places to have sex because I would be (laughs) bruised up later. But like, I just couldn't wait. So he takes her to her room and he goes down on her. And, you know, she she comes and comes and then he's like, are you satisfied? And she's like, no, and pushes him down on the bed and starts taking off his pants. And she's like, no, don't get me wrong. Like, that was really awesome. But like, I must have your cock. And August is very like, oh, what a what a creature. You're just perfection. She, he says, Dr. Underwood was right about you. Oh, <gasps> yeah. You're perfect. He basically referred August. They've been friends for a really long time, we find out later, and it's like one of the sweetest relationships. But also, where does he bite her? (laughs) On her neck, right? Is it her neck? The first one is the neck. Later, we move on to other locations. But yeah, he... he... I think he might bite her tits, too. I don't know. He does bite her tits. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Okay, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So they spend like three days together. He's staying at the manor and she is discovering for the first time what it's like to be with a lover, like not just one and done. Hmm. Because in service, like that's all she could really negotiate was just like, yes, 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 let's have sex, but then we'll never speak again. He's actually there to invest time in her pleasure and he builds and builds and builds. There's so much edging in this book. He builds her and builds her and builds her. And she's like, would you just get on with it? And he's like, I'm 300 years old. I've Mm -hmm. learned patience. Yeah. So you're going to have to wait. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, would you just fuck me? And he says, no, I am going to draw this out so that your pleasure is greater because that's what he's invested in. He's invested in making her feel good for as long as possible. And she has never had that experience. Yeah. Power move. Right. It's great. So not only is he opening that door, but also like the emotional intimacy door. And she's discovering that she really, really likes like sex is better when you actually care about the person. So they're like walking around and they see a light flicker in her room. And they're both like, wait a second, that shouldn't be happening. So they go back inside and Magdalena's like, no, nah, man, that, I've got wards up everywhere. I'm like a great witch. Don't even worry about it. Just go go back to your place. It's fine. So they go in there and August is like, no, there was I can smell somebody was in here. Was it the Sphinx? Has he yeah, arrived? Well, you think that you think, oh, the Sphinx is here. You'd think so. But Catherine Moon is pulling a fast one on you, Jenny. So Surprise! August is like, I really want Booker. Like, Booker, will you stay with her? And she's like, hold on. It's just, hold on. I issue the invitations around here. Booker, would you please <laughs> stay with me? That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> and August is put in his place, um, even though he was just doing it like out of protection. So he fucks yep. off. And at one point, I think she's like talking to Magdalena and she's like, I don't have anybody for you. Eamon is on his way. And so I just like you have a little bit of downtime. And she's thinking to herself, excellent. I can pursue my suit with Booker and like get that marble cock thing going. So she like spends a few pages like flirting with Booker. And then she goes to her room to flop down on her bed, but she doesn't hit a bed. She does hit a body that she did not see there. And the the guy like gets on top of her and she can't see anything. And he's like, oh, my gosh, I've been watching you for days and days. I saw you when you masturbated to that werewolf. And like, you're just the most exquisite thing I've ever seen. And I am an Irish thief man who was cursed by a witch to be invisible all the time. But like, I can I can dick you down real good. And I would just like an hour to prove it to you. <laughs> and so. Invisible, <laughs> an invisible Nobody man ever gives me sleeping invisible. in your bed. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. The invisibility is a big issue in the future. It's lovely. It is. Half it all comes raining gifts down upon us, and she doesn't <laughs> yes, waste she any of them. 
Nope. <gasps> this is Ezra, by the way. Ezra McKenna. The oh, invisible yeah. Irish thief man. I would like for you to man. think about what you would like, like what you want to happen in an invisibility book. And then I'm going to tell you how Catherine Moon does it for us. <laughs> so she's laying there and uh, Ezra is like, so can I can I show you, you know, what I'm what I'm working with over here? <laughs> she's like, yes. well, I guess, like, go ahead. And he's not supposed to be there because you're supposed to pay to belong to the Rooksgrave Manor. Yes. You have mm. to pay to belong to have access. And he can't afford that because he's a thief. And they bond on a sort of class and cultural level. Like she yeah. completely mm. understands him that he can't, he can't afford to be a member. So he has to sneak in. Yeah. And I love it because she's like, that's not fair. Only rich monsters can have nice sex. That's not fair. (laughs) We should have a solidarity and everything right now. Next up, she's going to unionize. It's going to be amazing. That's right. (laughs) So he he fucks her and she says, I want a mirror next time. Because remember, he's on top of her. If she like can look down, she's just seeing like the press of his body and like the shape of his thighs on her legs. And she knows that if they set up a mirror over there, all she's going to see is her like wide cunt getting plowed and not actually. Yeah. (laughs) This hadn't occurred to me. I know. I know. I had not (sighs) fully explored this fantasy in my head. So knock, knock, knock. Oh, hello, darling. Oh, Magdalena is there. And Ezra, Ezra, the the invisible man does go like flopping off the bed to, you know, whatever. And she's like, I bet I could I bet I could just tell him I was masturbating. You know, like I was just they know me by now. It's fine. (laughs) But the person who's standing over Magdalena's shoulder can see anything that's invisible. So Eamon the Sphinx did get there sooner than they thought he would. (gasps) Yep. And now he has walked in on another man with his girl in his mind. That's not good. Yeah. And Magdalena is like, wait a second. I have wards. Like there's weird shit happening because you shouldn't be able to get in here at all. And so she's like. We'll figure out your situation. Go wash yourself off. And she's like, I'm going to get fired. And she's going to throw me out. And like, mm. and when they're in the bathroom, she's like, I don't know. I just think, I just think I'm not suited to a place like this. Like, I'm just too much. And Magdalena looks at her and she's like, darling, I think you're one of the best suited people I've ever seen come here. Like, you're not doing anything wrong. You and Ezra shouldn't have boned without manor permission, but, like, that's just because you're kind of on manor property. Like, it's just a a weird gray area because he's not a member. Mm. But she can have sex with whoever she wants, not just her clients. So clever. The way she keeps reaffirming this of, like, you're free to go. You can do what you want. Like, I'm not controlling you. We just have some sort of boundaries that you need to learn. Like, Mm -hmm. it's so, so smart. Yeah. And we have rules and those rules exist for your protection as well, because these are people, these are creatures that can kill you mm. right. and they can kill each other. And she and Magdalena's job as like the house manager, madam, is to like maintain the peace between creatures that could kill each other very easily mm-hmm. and who do get sexual jealousy and do, who right. do know where they are in the ranking of the, like if there's one girl who has like five creatures, they know where they are in her esteem and they know which one's the favorite. Like there's a lot of politics involved. Yeah, it's not only so it's not only personal politics, but it's also nope. like, how old are you? Yeah. Are you in uh, like, are you immortal? Like and that changes the you hierarchy have magic? of the monsters Do in monster world, too. Mm-hmm. There's class structure in the monster world as well. This yeah. is so much cooler than working in a dungeon. And I'm so <laughs> glad I didn't know about it then. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, funny. I am betrayed. <laughs> One of the things that I, when I thought about this, it actually reminded me a little of your memoir, Jenny, because I remember in your memoir, you were writing about how for some people, when you roll up and are introduced for the first time to something that is kinky or deviant from the established sexual norm, some people are like, oh, okay, interesting. And some people are like, no, run away. Mm-hmm. And Esther is definitely of that first group where she's like, oh, there's more. Okay, let's find out. She has yeah. a sort of openness and curiosity Because, like I said, she doesn't have the sense that she should be ashamed of any of the things that she's into. And it reminded Mm -hmm. me a lot of the narrative about your memoir, too. You and Esther, you can hang. 
Ugh, yeah, she's she great. sounds like she would be my bestie. Yeah. <laughs> so she goes down to the office where Eamon and Magdalena are. And Eamon is very like, you need to punish him to the fullest extent of every law. No, and like, how he's... dare he? He's... Eamon has a hard time with like ownership ideas. And so he's like, you know, this is my girl. She's my property. He's part cat. Like he he thinks like a cat, like oh. this is mine. This is not yours. This is mine. And I am offended. And you've ever seen a cat when they're offended? They're just like, oh, my God, how dare you? That's how he is. He's part mm-hmm. cat, basically. Oh, mm-hmm. that's such good characterization. Yeah. And so then so Magdalena's like, listen, I'm going to talk to Ezra outside of this whole thing about whether or right. not he can be a member. But like you and Esther need to figure out because she hasn't accepted you yet. Like, you're talking about how she's your girl. She hasn't even said that you can be one of her regular clients. And that's something that you need to win as well. So they have this whole talk and he's like, why would you waste time with that scoundrel? Like, I can spoil you more than any man have ever put them all together. I can spoil you more than that. And she's like, I don't want that doesn't matter to me, though. I don't care about the jewels. I don't care about the dresses. Like, I'm, I'm, that's not why I'm here. I'm here because I like the connection. That's what I'm after. And frankly, I like the variety of connection. Mm. Like, you don't, you don't even want me to be a, a person who, like, only wants you because of the gifts you send. That's not what you're looking for either. And he has a really hard time with it, but he's like, okay, like, we'll, we'll figure it out. I'm going to go and I will see you tomorrow. We'll just like start over. Yeah. And she says to him, I'm not a queen. I'm just a girl who loves fucking. Yeah. And so good. has to acknowledge, okay, he wants to make her his queen, but that comes with an, in his mind, that comes with an element of control. And she's like, yeah, no, I'm just a girl who loves fucking. I'm just a girl who loves fucking. Oh, Good it's as simple you. as that, Esther. <laughs> oh, just, I respect that and that you know that about yourself. I know. Yeah. It's so good. Okay, so the next morning, apparently sphinxes are morning people. So <laughs> bright ass early in the morning, Magdalena gets her up and she's taken down to like a sunroom or something. And then this chapter is called A Lesson in Restraint, which I found mm. to be like every chapter is named. And frankly, authors... You would make a recapper's life so much easier if you just gave every chapter a quippy little name. It really helps. Fuck you, Melody. You want to come up with extra titles? You can put them in. Fair enough. Fair enough. One title is bad enough. Yeah. So now he's like, I'm going to teach you a lesson, basically. And I know what you want is to come. And so I'm going to punish you by edging you for hours on end. And she doesn't fully grasp the entirety of this situation. And so she's like, great, it's fine. You're just going to make me feel wonderful for like, that's big punishment. And then it cuts to two hours later, like tears are streaming down her face. And like everything is sensitive. And she's like a ragdoll, but a ragdoll who hasn't come yet. And then, Jenny, remember how Sarah did drop that he's part cat? <sighs> That also happens in the genitalia region as well, because when he starts fucking her, she can feel something a little different coming. That's just weird. What is that? Huh? It's his cat hook. His penis has a cat hook. And yes. the, and, the, and it deploys after it's inside. Oh. <laughs> yep. So I'm first so his wings happy. pop out and she's like, oh, he's got a tail. OK. Oh, he's got claws. OK. He's got paws. Sometimes his face is more human. Sometimes it's more cat-like. And then hook time. Hook time. a cat cock. It's so great. Oh, so afterwards, so she's like, hook, question mark. Does that happen all the time? And is it like with all of you? And he goes, well, I can... I can fight it if you don't like it. And she's like, oh, no, I loved it. Like, don't don't get me wrong there. (laughs) That's not the issue. I'm just trying to like, you know, I'm just being an anthropologist, frankly. Oh, it's so good. So now they have a whole conversation because she's like, I really if you're going to be one of my regular clients, I need you to have no like false ideas about what my job is and how I live my life. There are other men and you need to be okay with the fact that there are other men. 
And he's like, well, I mean, yeah, August is is like such a gentleman and like Dr. Underwood is fantastic. And she's like, well, what about Booker? And he's, and he's like, like, the servant? The what? servant? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, Booker is more than a servant. And I, and and I think she looks at him and says, I want him. Yeah, I want to fuck him. I That's want the, him. I, I don't care. I want she's to fuck him. She's my favorite. I know. <laughs> I haven't even read this book yet. And she's like my favorite heroine of all time. It's great. He's like, the servant? She's like, I want just I want him. That's all. Period. The end. That's all you need to know. <laughs> so he's like, well, yeah, but Ezra, you know, he's. And she's like, Ezra, Ezra is me. I don't know if she says it now or later, but. She's like, Ezra and I connect on this on this very classist level. Like, I understand what it's like to be looked down upon. I understand what it's like to be deprived for no particular reason. And I like him. He did dick me real good, differently than you, but still real good. So he's getting, like, more and more used to the idea. All right. The next... <laughs> The next chapter is called Empty Air and Solid Stone, <laughs> which I really liked. <laughs> so. Is it a mirror? Mirror sex? Not With yet. The, okay. Not yet. Not Which yet. I, that does I'll happen, be though. A patient good girl. Yeah. I'll stop. So. <laughs> so Booker wakes her up one morning and he's like, Magdalena wants to see you. So we got to get you dressed. And he like picks her a dress and she's like, oh, are you going to are you going to like put it on me, too? And so he starts like raking his hands up and down her. And then Booker just starts fingering her. And she's like, one oh, hand my God, on this is throat. Oh, there's two hands in the valley mm-hmm. and holds her still and gives her a nice stony finger. Yeah. While yeah. Holding her upright by her throat carefully. He's not hurting her. No, but she is immobilized by him. Yes. And she loves it. And so then Booker, Booker, because he he is like a stone man who was made with magic. So he doesn't say a whole lot of words like he, he doesn't make like very complex sentences. But you know that there is like a being in there. So he's like every morning and she's like, oh, my God. <gasps> yes, that sounds like a wonderful way to wake up every morning. <laughs> put the dress on, put the digits in and off you go <sighs> on your day. Great stuff. And then when she gets down to see Magdalena, she's like, hey, so like surprise water demon question mark. And Esther's like, I mean, I guess like I don't have any other clients. Like, okay, where do I go? And so she gets sent down to the grotto. Because, of course, there's a grotto. I mean, you can't have a manor like this without a grotto. It's like, obviously, there's a grotto. So she goes on down to the grotto. Mm hmm. Yep. And when she gets there, she starts hearing like whispery, come in to the water, Esther. I'll make you orgasm so much. And she starts going into the water and she's really nervous because she can't swim. Mm. And she doesn't really know what to do with that. But she's also very curious. Mm-hmm. And then things go sideways real bad. Booker is behind her on the shore And so she starts getting, like, pulled underwater and really, like, handled in a very rough way. And she's not liking it. So she's trying to shout for Booker. And she feels like she's going to drown. And yet it seems like like somebody's communicating with her telepathically. Right, Sarah? Yeah. And the, the water demon, she can't really get a sense of the water demon. But the water demon says, I'll take you to him. He'll make good use of you. I'll take you deeper. And then... Like the water itself is alive and grabs her and pulls her down, down, down. And she's and like, it's also oh. like tweaking a nipple. Like the water's yeah. also doing a nipple <laughs> tweak and like a little cunt tap. And so yeah. she's confused about it. She's like, this is scary, but also hot, but also no. Yeah. And she's desperately trying to fight everything off. And then thankfully, somebody grabs her and brings her back. It's Ezra. Because Booker can't get in the water. He's made of rock. That's not going to work. Booker can't oh. swim. Yeah, Booker can't swim either. He's a full marble. He's got everybody's marbles. You know, all the marbles that everybody loses, they're Booker. Yep. So Ezra jumps in and saves her life. Yeah. Oh. And when she wakes up, like all the men are there. <laughs> all the men are like, what if what's happened to my girl? Our fuck doll was in peril. Yeah. And so August is like yelling at Magdalena and she's like, August, chill out a little bit. Jesus, she obviously didn't know. And then... 
they realize that like there is something desperately wrong with the manor and the wards and everything because there should be nobody who comes in who hasn't been vetted has like a recommendation has permission from a person who like lives there yeah and it's just this whole situation is very very bad yeah and then also amen has to be like well I guess you did save her, Ezra. So, like, you're not 100% bad, but I'm still, I don't like you. <laughs> you could just picture a cat like, I, all right, you can be in the room. Yeah. <laughs> don't come near me. It is. It's God, true. I love pulling it back to the cat every time because it's so, like, okay. I wasn't Mine, thinking that as I read it, but you're completely right. Seeing oh, every yeah. scene that Eamon's in through the eyes of just being a cat, yeah. <laughs> it's, like, the like, best. Ugh, I don't Fine, you can be in the room. Don't come near me. Don't touch me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so then August and Jonathan are both so thankful to Ezra that they, like, fight over the privilege of paying for his membership. They're like, no, fuck you. I'm going to have him here. No, I'm going to get him in here. And it's very adorable. (laughs) So now Ezra can be there fair and square. No worries. Oh, that's delightful. And Eamon's like, hate it, but okay. And now they go to London. Well, Amy says, I want to remove her to my home to keep her safe. And everyone's like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. And he's like, I don't know about that, but okay, I will. You you said no, that's fine. I will respect your wishes, but I don't think you're safe here. Oh, and there is that moment when she says, Eamon, are you going to promise me that you're going to be completely fair about letting every other gentleman that I like to have sex with, like, come and go as he pleases? And he's like, I can't. I can't. Oh, you got me. You got me yep. there. Yep. So she's like, well, I'm not going to your house unless everyone can come too. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, he's hold your ground. Like it. It's great. So now August and Dr. Underwood are taking a group trip to London with her. <gasps> I didn't and see that coming. I know. More because delights. they're besties. They're besties, Jenny. And it does go places that we all want it to. So... Here's the thing. They're going to the theater. They yes. get her a new dress and she it's theater times. So, and it's like a super tight corset dress. So her breasts oh. are like up here. Oh, yeah. And she's like, this oh. sucks. And they're like, all right, we'll, lo- we'll loosen it just a little bit. But as uh, uh, August and Jonathan are like, this dress is great. We love it. She's love like, it. fine, if you like it. OK. Yeah. So they go to a monster theater, Jenny. It's outside in like a skeevy part of London town. And she gets there and she's like, I wonder what kind of theater, what kind of theater is it going to be? And they're like, it's a theater that you're going to love, particularly Esther. And she's like, it's a porn theater. (laughs) And it is, Jenny. They sit down and the first act is a lady running from a werebear. All right. It's like a it's like a rape fantasy situation with a bear. In person. It's in person. Okay. It is the theater oh. fuckathon, is mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. fuckathon theater. Mm-hmm. It's called the Company of Fiends, yes. which is also the series title. So the theater is like a very powerful element here. Yeah, and the show is called Tantalizing Nightmares. Oh, <laughs> Catherine Moon, <laughs> Jenny is bowled over right now. <laughs> Okay, so after the werebear situation, and August and uh, Jonathan make sure to let her know. That even if there is a rape fantasy being played out on the stage, everybody is there very enthusiastically. So, like, don't worry about that. Yeah. And um, the next one is, like, people all chained up and in scaffolds and stuff. And they're being whipped. And it's a whole bondage scene. Yeah. And one of the things that happens in the theater scene that I love is that she realizes that this is about whether or not she can tell if it's fear or arousal. And then she realizes that it's both. This is about both fear and arousal and where they meet. And she loves it. Everything is about fear and arousal and the constant interplay between the two. And it's so perfect. It's so great. <laughs> if Jenny were a puppy, her tail would be thumping on the ground I know. right now. I'm, just, I'm actually having to like make myself sit still so there's not just like constant <laughs> tapping on the audio track, but I want to just be doing this. Yeah. Well, it gets better, Jenny. There's more. Because you want to know what act two is? Oh, how is that only act one? Act two is in Akora, uh, Akoro Kamui. 
It don't is know what a, that is, but I'm excited. It's a Japanese tentacle monster <gasps> who's going to tentacle fuck five women at once, Jenny. No. Five From of them. a big tank of water. They just, yeah, there's just a tank of water on stage and oh. all these tentacles coming out and like, and they're like giant. So like at one point, a girl's just like sitting off on the side and like touching herself, watching this tentacle monster fuck the other four girls. And a tentacle just, like, comes out of the mist, grabs her, like, by her waist, and drags her in in order to fuck her real good in the water. (laughs) They say that the the suckers are even better than mouths, Jenny. (laughs) Of course they are. They just are nice things. Esther is you and I, and she's like, I think I want to take a trip to Japan. And they're like, and they're like, I don't think we would ever see you again. I don't know if we can. <laughs> the crowd jumped to its feet, hands clapping together, voices rejoicing the scene. I fucking loved this theater. <laughs> That's what she says. And the best yes. part. Is that so? Meanwhile, Jonathan and August have been like fingering her and doing a dirty DJ on her and like yeah. going she down. She goes her. down on one of them. I don't remember which one, but she's like, I need a cock. Come here. Yeah. She finishes <laughs> August off. And yep. then they're like, hey, do you want to know what act three is? And she's like, there's an act three? What is it? And they're like, it's fair game for the audience to come up and participate. Yes, it is. <laughs> so the reason that she finishes August off is that Dr. Underwood and Mr. Tanner get to have their fun with her on stage, should yeah. she so choose. Yep. And it's written out explicitly. It says this performance was about a monster being accepted and desired by a human. August had spent decades without a human lover he could feed from. Mr. Tanner was still too wary to even let me look at him. Eamon thought he had to buy my affection and Ezra thought he'd have to steal it. And she's just like, no, I actually just want to fuck you. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, but which that's is powerful. It really it's is. Very and, powerful. and this becomes like more and more powerful. Like this is a pivotal scene. And this is actually where we're going to leave off for this episode. But what happens is... They go on stage and it starts with Dr. Underwood being like, well, there's been so many scientific studies about the use of vibration to treat hysteria. And this girl is the most hysterical girl I've ever met in my life. And he's like, you can stop this at any moment, basically. And then she moans at one point and he goes, did I tell you to make a sound? And she's like, oh, golly. (laughs) So then he vibrates on her um, until she comes for everyone. And then he goes behind her and transforms into Mr. Tanner. And so he so last time she had sex with Mr. Tanner, he started as Jonathan and then did balloon out into the Mr. Tanner situation. But this time she's having to like take him from the beginning and you know it's a little little, little tough but she just soldiers right on you she's know Jenny She's a trooper and she's going to do it That's right yep. And so she says let me look at you let me look at you like don't hide from me I have to see you I want to see you I want to touch you I want to touch and the you audience I want to kiss like, you Yes and the audience is like wait what she wants to see him? Yeah. yeah. And and she's yeah, like, she, she actually thinks like very, very deliberately. I wanted every monster out there to know what it's like for someone to enthusiastically just want them because they are them. But more than the audience, I wanted Mr. Tanner to know that. And so wow. he turns her, I know. So he turns her around and he's like, do you want to see me? And she's like, I do, I do. You're beautiful. And she like describes, yeah, yeah, yeah. She says, I want you on the floor. And if you had any doubt about what this book is about, the next line is, I want to fuck my monster. Yeah. And the whole audience gasps at that. Mm. And Mr. Tanner's like, Okay. <laughs> so he gets on the ground and she starts riding him and she starts she starts saying like you know this cock is mine and like you're mine and I want you and all of these like very very affirmative for Mr. Tanner specifically. Yeah. Oh god, it's just 
gorgeous. It's so intimate and erotic. And it's also like he's he's giant. He could rip her head off oh, with yeah. no effort. Like this is this is a person who could kill her with zero effort, who is and also uh, in the hierarchy of monsters, Mr. Tanner is like a world apart. He's he's able to sense other monsters. He's very powerful. There aren't that many of him and they're all kind of wary of him because he's violent. And uh -huh. she's like, no, get on the floor. I'm going to ride you and I want you and I want you to fuck me. And I I want you. You are mine and mm -hmm. I want you as you are. And the whole audience is so into it. Yeah. So into this. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredibly powerful. So that's where we're going to leave off. For today. Oh. And then, yep. listener, There's you have more. to wait for tomorrow. because more. Yeah. yeah. This is only 50%. I don't have to wait, motherfuckers. <laughs> I get it right now. <laughs> this is only 50% of the book. There's and more. I'll see you on the other side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Be sure not to miss the second half of the episode, which is over on Smart Podcast Trashy Books. If you're listening the day that this comes out, it will be out tomorrow. And if you're listening any other time, it's already out and you can go find it on Smart Podcast Trashy Books wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can find way more cool stuff from us over in the Temple of Defiant Joy on our website. Stuff like bonus episodes, custom artwork, our bonkers book club, all kinds of fun things happening. That is bonkersromance.com slash temple. Now go enjoy your next bonkers read. And remember, if you find yourself being courted by multiple sexy monsters, why pick just one? <laughs>